Lord, you promise to write your name on our hearts. You promise to write your law on our hearts. You promise that one day in the fullness of time, you would send forth your Holy Spirit. So we claim that promise today and we ask that you would take our hearts and give us new hearts, that you would take your word and write it deep, deep inside us. Open our ears, Lord, and speak. Amen. Well, last week we changed our clocks back one hour. Did you change your batteries? I didn't either, but we're supposed to, right? We're supposed to change those batteries in the smoke detectors so that you don't hear that chirp sound that you get. Is it just me or do our smoke detectors know when we're asleep? Right? And do you get that, that, ch- that beep sound and, and, you know, it's cold and you get up and... You go stand somewhere in the house underneath one of these things and you hear it again, beep, but it's not that room, it's another room and, and you go back to bed and you fall asleep and, you know, it's because it's like this two minute interval. Oh, those smoke detector batteries. So go ahead, change them this, uh, this week. But these batteries, they remind us that life takes energy. Just think for a minute about your daily charging rituals and practices how many times a day will you be working with cords and plugs and batteries we talk about power management talk about lives that are supercharged or lives that are drained we even have a new emotion rage anxiety is anyone feeling that today range anxiety well we've been exploring acts chapter 10 together this story of a man named peter and a man named cornelius and what happens when they open their doors to one another what we've been finding is that there is this third character in the story a third unseen character driving the action of the story this character is present with a kind of an energy that changes things The text describes this as the gift of the Holy Spirit. So let's open our Bibles and catch the end of this story as we wrap up our series today. Would you please turn to Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 48. It's on page 895 if you're in the room and can grab a pew Bible. But navigate there on any Bible, any translation will do. If you're able, would you stand with me? Let's read God's word aloud together. Acts chapter 10, verses 44 to 48. When we're done reading, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord so that if you believe it, you could say thanks be to God. Listen carefully, you're reading God's holy word. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who'd come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who've received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they invited him to stay for several days. This is the word of the Lord. Heaven and earth will pass away, but what we just read never will. Please be seated. Suddenly the room powers up, right? Rather dramatically. Peter's in Cornelius' house, remember? The house is packed with friends, 
Peter's friends, Cornelius's friends, they're all eager, they're listening. Peter's talking about Jesus and he gets this part about believing and the availability of forgiveness and boom, zap, power, the Holy Spirit. What we learn from this is the Holy Spirit powers our lives. The Holy Spirit powers our lives or wants to. What strikes us in Acts here is the insistence of this text that God powers up ordinary believers the same way he powers up Jesus. The book of Acts teaches this. Notice the way Peter describes Jesus. If you just look up the page a little bit to verse 38, you'll see what Peter says about Jesus. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. That's uh, verse 38. Remember what Jesus had promised? Not just to do it, that God would do it for him, but that God would do it for them. As he spoke to his apostles just before ascending, he says in Acts chapter one, verse eight, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Just note this. What the book of Acts is saying is we get what he got. The Holy Spirit and power. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power and you will receive the Holy Spirit and power. We get what he got. Power. Power falls upon Peter, power falls upon Cornelius, power falls upon Mary. Do you remember the Holy Spirit will come upon you, Mary? Power of the Most High will overshadow you. This is the story that you and I are in, power. The Greek word for that is dunamis, dunamis. It reminds us of our English word dynamite. And the Greek lexicon tells us the meaning of dunamis, power, strength, capability, authority, you get what Jesus gets, what he got. Now we ask ourselves, why? Why do we get this power? And the answer comes from Jesus again, it's to be witnesses. You will be my witnesses, he says in Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. So here's, here's Jesus giving us the purpose of our lives. He's, he's, telling, he's telling you this is what your life is about. You've got purpose. Now this is not the way we usually think about our lives. Uh, this is not that, that question that we get from early age. What do you want to be when you grow up? As though we were supposed to make up the purpose of our lives. Uh, no, the question here is what is God calling me to be? Who am I in Jesus Christ? This is not the question that we ask ourselves so often to look inward and ask, what am I good at? Or what makes me happy? Or what am I really yearning for? As though my life is meant to be all about me. No. This is what God wants to give you power to do, to become. Will Willimond writes this. He says, vocation is not evoked by your bundle of need and desire. Vocation is what God wants from you whereby your life is transformed into a consequence of God's redemption of the world. I love those words. The vocation is what God wants from you, whereby your life is transformed into a consequence of God's redemption for the world. This is your purpose, to be drawn into the redemption of the world in Jesus Christ. You will be my witnesses, Jesus said. So you, your life is not about your life. It's about Jesus. It's about God acting in Jesus, it's about God's redemption of the world. It's lightning, it strikes Cornelius. 
now a Gentile believer for the first time. The, the, the gospel has come to, among the nations to bring the reconciling work of Jesus Christ to bear. And the power of the Holy Spirit is the one who will activate it. As we read between the lines in this story, it's clear, it's been clear, that it's been the Holy Spirit driving the action of this narrative all along. Have you thought about that as you read? That it's really the Holy Spirit who unsettles Cornelius. It's really the Holy Spirit who nudges Peter. It's really the Holy Spirit who will guide these three travelers from Caesarea down to Joppa. It's really the Holy Spirit that gives Peter the ability to cross the threshold into an unclean, so quote unquote, house. It's the Holy Spirit who gives Peter the words to share the story of Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that gives Cornelius the faith to believe those words and zap. It's the Holy Spirit. So much so that many commentators think we should never speak of the book of Acts as the Acts of the Apostles. No, no, we should speak of it as the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Or is it both? Is it the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Acts of the Apostles? Because you're part of this story, you and I. This is about an extraordinary power working in ordinary people. They're learning in this house what we've been wrestling with, trying to wrestle with these last few weeks, and that is that God is making his appeal through us. If you're new, just that's the verse we've been stuck on. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says God is making his appeal through us, and that gives us kind of the, the purpose and mission of our lives individually and then corporately as a church. God is making, I mean, that, just ponder that. That's his promise, that's his plan. And he does it through the power of the Holy Spirit. You will receive power. So the Holy Spirit powers our lives, also powers our mission here at UPC. Let me just remind you of who we are and what we're called to do. Here's our mission at UPC. We're a family of communities joining Jesus to transform our lives and the lives of our neighbors. At the University of Washington, go dogs in our neighborhoods and all around the world. It's our mission statement. Now notice Peter and Cornelius in the heart of that statement. Notice transformation in Peter's lives. Peter's life. When Peter comes to Cornelius' neighborhood, Peter's life is changed. He experiences racial reconciliation. He experiences a multi-ethnic gospel good news for all the nations. And that changes Peter forever. Now think of Cornelius. When Cornelius, Peter's neighbor, quote unquote, opens the door to Peter, Cornelius' life changes. He receives forgiveness of sin in Jesus Christ, eternal life. That's transformation. So both men, our lives are transformed and the lives of our neighbors. The Holy Spirit is the agent of transformation in both. Now let me just take you back to Jesus. Jesus says at one point, before he's crucified to his disciples in the upper room, it would be better for you. He basically asks, would you rather have me or the Holy Spirit? Right, think about that. Oh, you go, oh, I'd love to be with Jesus to just see his face for an hour, you know, for a minute. And Jesus goes, would you rather have me or the Holy Spirit? And they're all going, Jesus, we want you. But Jesus goes, it would be better for you to want the Holy Spirit. Why? Let's turn our Bibles back to John. If you get your Bible, pull it to John chapter 16. It's back there on on page 879 of the Pew Bible, I think. John 16, verse eight. 
Listen to what Jesus says in this, in this conversation. He says, and when the Holy Spirit comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. He'll, he'll, the Holy Spirit's gonna speak to the world. It's gonna prove the world wrong. In other words, the Holy Spirit's gonna be an agent of transformation in the world, in your neighborhood. The Holy Spirit is already at work saying deep within her, deep within him, there's a better way. You have a need for a savior. Jesus lives. That's what, that's what Jesus is talking about with these three phrases. And, and by the way, this is what happens to Cornelius in the story. Remember early on, we were told by Luke, he's, he's, he's filled with the fear of the Lord. He cares for the poor. Uh, he's a, a frequently praying. So it's the Holy Spirit is, is instigating, is already agitating in Cornelius' life, even before he understands who Jesus is. The Holy Spirit's an agent of transformation in the world. He's also an agent of transformation in the church, in you. Look at verse 12. The, the text continues. Jesus says, I've still, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. You see, he's the agent of, of transformation in the church as well. I have more for you, Jesus says to his followers. He says, you're not ready right now. I can't, I, you're already full, of, your capacity's full. I have more I want to share with you, more I want to say to you, but I can't share it with you now. But the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, will guide you into that truth. So the point is that both need the Holy Spirit. Both Peter and Cornelius, this is Peter, by the way. Remember, Peter was up on the roof puzzling, and he couldn't figure it out while he was on the roof. But when he followed the Holy Spirit, get up, go down, and go with, then he came into uh, the presence of a neighbor, and boom, there the Holy Spirit started changing him. This is why our mission statement says that we're joining Jesus to transform our lives and the lives of neighbors. This is why Leslie Newbegin, the great missiologist, says that mission doesn't just change the world, mission changes the church as well. What we believe is that God has put you where you are, that God has put you in a neighborhood. God has put a, a particular neighbor next to you. God wants to do something in their lives, to transform their lives, to bless them, to care for them, to open them up to the incredible love of God in Jesus Christ, but he's put you there as part of the means to do that. So we believe that. God says, I have something for you, and I have something for your neighbor that will come through you, and that will change both of you. So, but remember how that happens. It doesn't happen alone, it happens in community. It doesn't happen here at church. It happens there in mission. It's, it doesn't happen our way. It happens his way and requires formation. That's why we put so much emphasis here on community, mission, and formation. We call it formational community. Here's the, the Venn diagram that I've been showing you. Some people said, hey, can I get a picture of that? Pull out your camera and take a picture of that if you want. We, it holds together these three great biblical mandates, formation as disciples, mission for neighbors, and community-like family. Our goal is to live in the heart of that Venn diagram because that's where we join Jesus. It's happening in Joppa. There's a, a, a little community of people that are living the lifestyle that we call formational community. And it, it's coming into that little house church, a little oikos in, in uh, Joppa that transforms Peter and that will transform Cornelius as well. Here's our definition of formational community. This is how we define it. Formational community is a way of life. It occurs when circles of friends live as family, brothers and sisters, on mission for their neighbors being formed as disciples in the process. Transformation. The Holy Spirit is God's agent of transformation. The Holy Spirit powers our mission here at UPC. You will receive power. 
Also, the Holy Spirit powers ministry in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood. And I want to thank you. It's been so delightful these last few weeks to hear from you, whether that's an email or text or a conversation at the door. I've heard stories of how you've been reaching out to neighbors in parks and hallways and schools. It's been so fun. You're taking small steps to get to know those people next door, to pray for them, to love them as your neighbors, as Jesus commands. What you're seeing is, in small ways, the Holy Spirit at work. I got permission to share this one story uh, from one of our self-confessed introverts. She writes me just after Halloween. Remember, I, I said, we want you to meet your neighbors on Halloween. She, she said, already in the plan, which, which meant that, that I think that the Holy Spirit had already been nudging her. She said, Our friends have given us this fancy box of chocolates and a huge box, and so we've put chocolates in bags, put little notes to each of our neighbors, uh, and we decided that we're gonna give them to every single neighbor on our block, over 30 homes. And so she did this, and the result was kind of underwhelming. You met a few people, but a lot of people weren't home or didn't answer the door. So really no big deal. She sent me this email. Three days later, I get another email back. Oh my gosh. She goes, George, last night I got a phone call from one of my neighbors thanking me for the chocolate. And they said, they told me this heartbreaking story of pain of an adult child who's squandering their life with drug addiction. They just don't know what to do. The next morning, I got another call from another neighbor who, who, who was responding and said, we have a son, an adult child who's uh, incarcerated right now and we feel completely helpless and we have no idea what to do. These two situations, she writes, are causing me, quote, to cry out to God, wanting Jesus to show up in person, touch and heal these two souls. I can feel the hopelessness they feel even though I know there is a solution. Jesus, oh Lord, have mercy. What do you think of that? I mean, those, it seems to me, are the groanings of the Holy Spirit. She is responding to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is opening doors of opportunity for her. She's walking through and she's seeing the power of heaven being released in her life and her and her neighbor's lives. She's joining Jesus. You'll receive power. He powers your ministry in your neighborhood. And I also want you to see that the Holy Spirit can power you. This might be the hardest thing for you to believe today. You, yes, you. How? Let me be practical here for a few minutes and just share two cautions and two practices. Where there's power, you always want to be a little bit cautious, right? So here are the two cautions. Number one, don't over-dramatize this power. Don't over-dramatize the power of the Holy Spirit. For most of the, spirit, of the story, the Holy Spirit is hardly even noticeable. The Holy Spirit is the one who works so quietly, so slowly through the humdrum boredom of everyday life. Slow, silent. J.I. Packer refers to the Holy Spirit as the shy sovereign, not drawing attention to himself, always hoping to draw attention to Jesus. And we make a mistake if we over-dramatize the power of the Holy Spirit and we think, only if I feel supercharged, only if I have an emotional experience is the Holy Spirit at work in me. You're missing it. You're missing most of it, if that's what you think. This is not emotional power. This is spiritual power. And it is easy to miss. It's quiet. You say, well, what about speaking in tongues? Well, that happens, and it is quite dramatic. But it doesn't happen to all of us. 
St. Paul says it's not actually for all believers. The book of Acts shows that as well. There are lots of times people are full of the Holy Spirit and they're not speaking in tongues. It seems some commentators say that there is this this dramatic uh, experience of speaking in other languages or heavenly languages that happens when the gospel is breaking new barriers as it is here, breaking into the Gentile world beyond the Jewish community. The greatest indication of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life, St. Paul tells us, is love. And love is oftentimes a very slow, long, and painful process. You say, is the Holy Spirit in me? Well, yes, if you believe in Jesus. The Holy Spirit is in you. Paul assures us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse three, no one can say Jesus is Lord apart from the Holy Spirit. It seems in this text that it's at the moment when Peter talks about believing in Jesus that he was interrupted while Peter was still speaking. And if you look at what he was saying at that moment, he was talking about faith in Jesus. The Holy Spirit breaks in. It's, it's only your faith in Jesus that's needed to open you to the Holy Spirit. So don't over-dramatize, just believe his promise. The Holy Spirit's with you. Second caution is this, don't underestimate his power. Won't be long after the baptism of this Roman centurion before there'll be a baptism of a Roman emperor, Constantine, in AD 312. The power is real, because who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. If you read verse 20, back, I'm back now in Acts, in Acts chapter 10, verse 20 carefully, when the Spirit speaks, he speaks as God. We read in the text, the Spirit said to him, quote, I have sent them. And if you look at that text, the Spirit is saying I of something that God had done. I, I, the Spirit speaks as God. He's God. God the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Do not underestimate this power. You have God in you, full-blown divinity in you. We talk about the Holy Spirit. We talk about, I, I like to talk about him this way, the Trinity this way. We stand before God the Father. We stand in Jesus Christ, God the Son. We stand there in Christ, before the Father, through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the agent of Loving union. The Holy Spirit is the one who binds us into loving union with our Savior Jesus Christ, makes us one with him. And then the Holy Spirit takes that which is Jesus, his character, his life, his love, and infuses it into our lives. It's a long, slow process, but it is powerful. Don't underestimate that power in your life. You have God inside of you. This Holy Spirit is the agent of creation who was hovering over the waters of the formless of void at the beginning of time. This Holy Spirit is the agent of the new creation who's resting as a dove on Jesus at the water of, of his baptism. By the Holy Spirit, David slew Goliath. By the Holy Spirit, Mary bore Jesus. By the Holy Spirit, Jesus came back from the dead. He's in you, this same power. So two cautions, don't overdramatize and don't underestimate. And now two practices. The first one is surrender. I wish I didn't have to tell you this. This is the hard one. And Peter wrestles with it. If you go back and remember this story, when he gets that dream, he says three times, I will not, I will not, I will not. And he is struggling with the call to surrender before Jesus as the Holy Spirit is vying for, competing for more real estate in 
Peter's heart. This is a struggle for Peter and it's a struggle for us, but we, we have to do it. If we're, if we're gonna get what he got, that is what Jesus got, we're gonna have to live as he lived, as Jesus lived. And I, what I'm learning is that my ministry can never be an expression of my own control. Hi, my name is George and I'm a control freak. Hi, George. Anybody? <laughs> Thanks, Ann. <laughs> she says amen to that. No, we've got to surrender. If we want to be in the presence, the beauty and the power of the Holy Spirit, we've got to step out of the, cent the control center of our lives and give him space to do his thing. That's why the practice that Jennifer Kenny called us to last week has been so meaningful to me, this practice of two minutes of silence, morning and evening. What I'm doing, what I'm learning there is that the day doesn't belong to me, that the time belongs to God, that it's his day, that my to-do list is his list, uh, or I should pay attention to his list more than I pay attention to my list. I learned to surrender. Henrietta Mears says, the greatness of your power is the measure of your surrender. The greatness of your power is the measure of your surrender. The question isn't, do you have the Holy Spirit? The question is, how much of you does the Holy Spirit have? So we surrender. That's a first practice. The second is sensitivity. And this practice takes practice. Sensitivity. Peter when he's up on the roof, he gets a nudge. Remember that? Get up, go down, go with. We think it was probably just an inward movement, an inward prompting, not a verbal, audible message. And Peter's had to learn the hard way how to recognize. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I lead them. But it takes practice to recognize the voice of the Lord's and to be able to distinguish it from all the other voices and noise that we have in our heads. We have to learn like young Samuel when Eli was training him in the temple. Sometimes the, voice, the Lord's voice sounds like another voice. We have to distinguish, learn how to say, speak Lord for your servant listens. We have to learn how to speak to the, listen to the Holy Spirit and one way we learn is that he speaks always in concert with the word. It's as Peter's sharing the word with him, with, with Cornelius, that Cornelius receives the spirit, word and spirit, always working together. The more we know the, the word, the more we'll be sensitive to the spirit. But we also have to lear learn to listen for that more to say thing. I have more to say to you. And this does take practice. I love this quote from Richard Lovelace, who was one of my professors in grad school. He's one of the experts on spiritual renewal in the church. And he says, for most of us, the, our relationship with the Holy Spirit's like a bad marriage. Think about that. Instead, here's what it should be like. He writes, we should make a deliberate effort at the outset of every day to recognize the person of the Holy Spirit, to move into the light concerning his presence in our consciousness and to open our minds and to share all our thoughts and plans as we gaze by faith into the face of God. We should continue to walk throughout the door day in a relationship of communication and communion with the Spirit. I love that. This should be like a good marriage in which you grow in sensitivity to one another. The Holy Spirit's a good dancer. Like he will not step on your toes, <laughs> but will give you subtle prompts and cues that tell you how to move into the, into the music. We follow his lead. So this is what we're learning. This is what I'm learning, that when something stirs me, when I see something in the news, or someone comes to my mind in memory, or I get a little bit of an insight about something, or I'm taking out the trash, and there's a neighbor walking by with a dog, I'm learning 
that there's an opportunity here perhaps and maybe it's the Holy Spirit. So rather than say, well, I'll think about that later or I'll pray about that another time, I'm learning to take a moment in real time and respond. And I'm gaining sensitivity and so will you. You will receive power. So finally, here's the charge today, power up with the Holy Spirit. Power up with the Holy Spirit. Let's learn how to do this. I have two challenges for you. Number one today, I wanna encourage you to drop by one of the many open houses around uh, the the region that are happening between three o'clock and five o'clock today. Just, I know you're an introvert, maybe, but take a moment to, you can only, you only have to stay there for 15 minutes. Just come and say hello and register your presence in that neighborhood. Thank the host for offering an invitation. You can sign up and get the address at upc.org slash events. Um, then the second thing is, here's my second challenge, is every time you find yourself plugging in a device this week, I bet it'll happen more than once, it's your recharging practice, pray a quick prayer, engage a spiritual practice. Here's the prayer, you can write it down, take a picture. Come Holy Spirit, fill my life. Holy Spirit, empower me to serve. That's our prayer. Write it on a little post-it and put it over your outlets. Come Holy Spirit, fill my life. Come Holy Spirit, empower me to serve. Because here's what I'm learning. Every time something comes out of my life that is not love or joy or peace or patience or kindness, self-control, gentleness, it's like that smoke detector. Beep. (laughs) And I don't beat myself up over it. I, I simply claim the forgiveness of Jesus. I surrender again and I ask the spirit to fill me again. And I receive that by faith. I trust in that. And then I just go for it. Because I know Jesus always keeps his promise you will receive power. Let's pray. Oh God, just as you poured out your spirit in that house somewhere in Caesarea and did a new thing, we ask you to do the same in our lives right here in this place. We don't ask that it be super dramatic. We just ask that you do it and that we'll trust that you've done it because you promised to do it and that we'll walk out of this place with new eyes, looking for new ways, new ears, listening for new messages from you, new feet walking into new places and new hands ready to serve with your love. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.